Hey, this is Dwayne Larson, and welcome to It's a Music Thing, a podcast about, well, you guessed it, music. Each week, I'll try to bring you new stories from artists and other people in the music industry. I want to make this podcast one of your go-to music podcasts. There are a few ways you can help me make this happen. Go subscribe on iTunes, and if you feel so inclined, rate us. Also, tell your friends about It's a Music Thing. Nothing like word-of-mouth advertising. That goes a long, long way. Also, check out and follow our social media pages. It's a Music Thing MB on Instagram. Uh, on Facebook, it's It's a Music Thing. The website is It's a Music Thing.com. Also, if you f- want to, drop me a line at It's a Music Thing mb at gmail.ca if you have a show idea or would like to be interviewed or heck maybe you even know someone that wants to be interviewed all right enough of my droning on and on let's get on with the show and welcome back to It's a Music Thing, the podcast. I am your host, Dwayne Larson. And on today's show, I get to talk to another buddy. We recorded this one a while back and I'm just finally starting to get around to to posting some older stuff that I had recorded earlier this year. And this guy, you may know him, you may not. You know, again, that's what this podcast is here for. But this is my buddy, Spencer. Spencer runs a DIY hardcore metal, maybe go as far as thrash thing called scoped exposure. And I say thing because he does video. He does, he's got a whole amazing team behind him. He was the one that spearheaded it all. Uh, But he, I mean, I I met him through going to shows and just, you know, I'm not too much into the hardcore scene. It's not quite, I'm pretty picky with the the hardcore that I like, but um, the people are amazing and that's kind of the, one of the ways I got linked up through with, with Spencer and scoped is it, it's so good. It's a, it's a DIY. He's doing everything himself along with the team that I mentioned before. But like I said, he spearheaded this and got it, got it off the ground and they, they kind of mainly stick to Western Canadian slash Prairie province area, hardcore metal whatever kind of genre you want to lump it all in there with. And he actually, they've, they've got one dropping it by the time this hits air, it will have dropped October 31st. All the, uh, the links will be in the description. So you can go check out, uh, scoped exposures, uh, YouTube, uh, stuff, uh, the videos as well as definitely go check out his podcast as well. Uh, he gets a lot more into, the hardcore side of stuff and talking to the hardcore folks that are, are playing music. But, uh, October 31st, they, they had dropped a, uh, it's not a live stream. God, I'm old. They dropped a video that they recorded at, uh, the park theater here in Winnipeg of murder capital, uh, Winnipeg hardcore band. And I was lucky enough to be asked to come to shoot stills and behind the scenes stuff. And it was, it was, it was really great. I've, I've had a chance to see uh, Murder, Murder Capital play before, and all the guys were super nice. It was great to actually, you know, get to talk to them and hang out with them and get to know them a little bit better. As well as doing all this, Spencer also plays guitar in a band called Endgame. And, you know, he's he's a busy guy. So I, I appreciate him taking the time out to talk to me 
And I hope everybody really enjoys this podcast as much as I enjoy do, doing it and enjoy doing all my podcasts. So here we go. Here's my conversation with Spencer. All right. I guess uh, first and foremost, who do, I, who do I have on the phone today? You have uh, Spencer. Uh, I guess I don't know how you properly introduce people, but um, uh, I run Scoped Exposure, which is a online uh, video channel premiering DIY music in Western Canada, primarily, um, largely on the hardcore and metal side, but um, overall DIY music is what we do, um, film bands, and uh, yeah, stoked to talk with you, Dwayne. This is awesome. It's it, It's been a while. Our, our paths haven't crossed in a good long time. Far since, too long. Since you, Far moved, too long. since you moved away from Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's coming up on... Uh, three years since I've uh, been in Calgary, um, okay. which, which has been honestly pretty surreal. Um, I, uh, with, with quarantine and COVID, obviously no shows are in the mix. So I'm trying to strategize on new content and, you know, re resurfacing older content. And I actually did a, a list of all the shows that I had filmed um, just since scope started. And, you know, there was a, there's a hefty amount, um, you know, when I was in Winnipeg, but also when I lived in Calgary. So yeah, yeah, it's been far too long since we've uh, been able to have some one-on-one time. So I'm excited for this. And so when I get a chance to talk to anybody that's not like like a full band kind of talking and we've got something to, to promote and to, to push, I always like to go what I call in my way back machine. And right. what, what, what that is, is do you remember the first time growing up when you heard music where it really stuck with you where it wasn't like a lullaby or like some kind of kid music or something like that yeah um yeah i remember you know since since you brought up lullabies i um i remember i would always get my mom to sing me silent night um going to bed and i would always like fall asleep to that so that's funny that that just jogged my memory um (laughs) uh but you know Obviously, I'm, I'm sure people are, you know, not listening to your podcast for lullabies, but more for like punk rock or heavier music. So on that front, um, I think for me, like one of my best friends growing up in like middle school and like early, early years, um, he kind of was the one to kind of put me on to maybe some heavier music. I remember he was like super into like some of the more like, because we, we went to a Christian school, so there was like bands like Under Oath and Demon Hunter and mm-hmm. As Lay Dying that he initially put me on to. Um, and then over over time, you know, obviously finding out about bands like Slutnod and Linkin Park and uh, a laundry list of, you know, uh, early 2000s nostalgia bands. Um, so I think for me, being a, someone who was always obsessed with video, um i always obsessed over finding out about new bands through youtube so i would i and i did a podcast and i chatted about this um on on my podcast but you know i would go home after school search the music video of the band i liked and then go through all the related videos when there Mm. wasn't a heavy youtube algorithm that was pushing all these like you know prank channels or whatever but you know seeing actual bands that were like oh okay so this band is like this but they are like not in drop you know f or whatever it is um so that at least for me like uh i was very 
visually consuming new music before things like um you know records and things like that mm. and at least in my time in music realizing that everyone kind of finds about new bands and in, in a multitude of different ways whether it's someone who's obsessed with like artwork and like seeing how different um you know they'll just go to a vinyl store and be like oh yeah this record cover looks cool let's see how it translates musically and sometimes it's what you expect and sometimes it's totally different um you know logos are a huge way of catching people's attention even just the band name yeah. so i'm kind of, i've been i've become more fascinated with that and especially what what i do with scope is always trying to play on those different aspects that could put someone onto maybe their new favorite band yeah, I I I've been kind of obsessed with like death metal logos lately. Just just in the fact sure. that when I see it on a shirt and I try to figure out what it says, but it right. just looks like a lake or a rake scratching in the grass or in the dirt. Right. It's they make me laugh, but I mean it gets me looking at them and it gets me thinking, who who who's that band? Right. Yeah, th there's a there's a weird uh spectrum when there's you know, logos that are borderline and like you, you can't even figure out what they're saying, but yeah. then there's people, bands who are like, Oh, this is just Helvetica new or something. And it's like, Oh, you didn't put any like effort into it to make it <laughs> not just a computer font, but yeah. um, you're, yeah, you're just no. using comic sans. Yeah. Shout out to any bands who, who use comic sans. Yep. I've uh, I watched uh, far from home the other night and uh, the intro of that movie is like Peter uh, like like he's actually making the movie and he uses Comic Sans. Oh, really? <laughs> I love how Comic Sans is, you know, almost a new favorite for people. But yeah, that's funny. So did did you grow up here in Winnipeg? Yeah. So born and raised in uh, in Winnipeg. Um, I yeah lived there my whole life. Um, ironically, I my my now wife uh, Bryn, she is from Alberta, so came to Winnipeg for some schooling, you know, met her. And then over time, um, I think, I think there was a couple things that kind of, uh, made it inevitable for me not to live in Winnipeg. Mm -hmm. So a, you know, when me and bring got married, I knew it was just a matter of time before we were like, okay, let's move to Alberta. Um, but I think a something that maybe propelled that as well as my, my family who, you know, grew up there. Um, my dad uh, transferred to Toronto. So we were kind of in between families oh, as far okay. as like ge geographically speaking. Yeah. So um, we were looking to move to Edmonton because her family's just outside of there. But I, I guess was like trying to pitch Calgary. Mm -hmm. um, just, I had been there I, I like I had been to the Edmonton area more times when we were like dating long distance, but when I would come to Calgary, like it was just a blast because I would largely come here for the the hardcore festival, yeah. and it's changed a number of times, but right now it's known as the Wild Rose Hardcore Fest. Um, so I was already driving out to film that um, two years prior, and so I was like, well, if if I'm gonna live in Alberta, I would like to be in the backyard of, uh, you know, a, a big festival as far as seeing bands, seeing all my friends from across Western Canada and, you know, giving me more time to plan and, and, and figure out how to capture that every year. Um, so 
like we said at the beginning, lived here for three years. It's honestly a blast. Yeah. Um, obviously, there's aspects of Winnipeg that I miss a lot on, on the just the city infrastructure side, but also like friends and, and mm-hmm. music and the scene. But I I have to say Calgary is like, I, I think one of Canada's best cities as far as geographically, like being close to the mountains is such a blessing. Um, I, I know people who are born and raised in Calgary and they don't realize how good it is yeah. when you live in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, because like, they, they like definitely take it know. for granted because it's like, yeah, we, yeah, we can go to Canmore or wherever, but yeah, you know, whatever. But then people yeah. from, I don't want to say the true prairies, but the flat prairie lands get a chance to go out there and it's just it's just about awe-inspiring and you just want to be in it as much as possible. We've driven out to uh, Canmore or random little spots just for the drive yeah. or just to, you know, just to get outside the city. And uh, the fact that we can do that, you know, leave at like eight thirty, nine in the morning and be back by noon and still feel like we got our, you know, outdoor uh, hours is like insane, you know, when if, if you want to go anywhere outside of Winnipeg, it's at least two hours just to get to your destination. And yeah, you know, you know, and even some, then it's still pretty flat sometimes. Yeah, usually. exactly. Yeah. And so, so when, when growing up here, when when did you start going to shows and were you playing music as a, as a kid? Like, did you pick up instruments? Yeah. So, like, I guess I started playing in bands, maybe, you know, traditionally a lot of people in maybe this genre of music pick it up really early on, like 13, 14. And yeah. I, I had, I had like, I guess episodes of it where, you know, I would, you know, like try to learn guitar covers at home and then do like a small battle of the bands with like uh, two friends from high school or like middle school. But I didn't really start playing, playing in bands until like late high school. And at that time, um, I was like super into bands like A Day to Remember Mm -hmm. and like more, I guess, like uh, pop punk with like an edge kind of band. So, uh, yeah, so I started playing in a band there uh, with some people. And that was like kind of my introduction. And I I remember the very uh, the very first uh shows that we had were uh three shows back to back so there was uh it was like a friday saturday sunday so we did like a mini it wasn't even a tour but like because we all like slept at our houses the same night but it was like um winnipeg and then i think we played selkirk okay and then we played winnipeg the like two days later um which was honestly like insane like thinking about how uncommon that is as far as like the the frequency of shows like po- like pre-covid yeah um but yeah so obviously like just got obsessed with like playing on stage um joined in a couple other metalcore bands but i honestly didn't start playing in like hardcore bands until oh man um like 2015 like maybe a little bit earlier but um it was honestly like i was i was going to hardcore shows but i was like um just kind of getting like used to meeting people and and uh i guess like making relationships 
And then I just started filling in on guitar for a couple bands. And that's, I think, the thing that kind of propelled me into playing yeah. more of that kind of music. Um, I think that's usually how it works, especially here in Winnipeg. Like, it's so incestuous. Like, the, every every band member is in, like, three or four other bands. Yeah. And then the drummers are usually in 10 or 15 because there's not a lot of them. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, like, um, I, like I've seen this – and I've seen it with people in Winnipeg and I've seen it like, like all over, but I think there, there are certain people that want to play, like lots of people want to play live music, but lots of people don't want to just like go to a show mm -hmm. or like get to know those people first. They'll like post like, <laughs> like a Kijiji ad and be like looking for a metal band that sounds <laughs> like this. And like, like that's the biggest thing that I've, I've told people and like it's it's a common thing for anything if you like you know want to get into um you know uh like like any kind of like subculture like going there as a just a spectator and like you know being a sponge and absorbing that community and just what it's like before just like hey i want to play in a band and i like don't know anybody because yeah like every, every band that i played in kind of since that jumping off point has been like oh i'm homies with these guys and then it's like a no-brainer that we start jamming together um the one of the newest bands that i'm playing in in calgary here is called endgame and uh all all that was the origin of that was me wolfgang remy and at the time shad being in vancouver for a hardcore festival and being like man like i want to start a new band and then we're all like Oh, we just had to come all the way to Vancouver to realize <laughs> we all want to start a band, and then that that was the uh, the origin of that. But um, yeah, I, I definitely think that a lot of people are like I, I wouldn't say impatient, but they're mm. maybe thinking like like there there are certain steps to just like get um, comfortable with the community before you're just like presenting your riffs and your ideas yeah. to the to the to the world, so to speak. And do you remember the first show you ever went to? And it doesn't need, it doesn't need to be hardcore. It doesn't need whatever. Just like your first live concert, and not kid stuff either. Like Fred Penner doesn't. Count. Okay, so like, well, okay, so there's like concert and like show, right? So yeah. like, I would say, so I'll share, you know, I'll share both, and I feel like Nickelback is like maybe more appropriate because it's like lots of people are resharing like older Nickelback stuff and yeah. like there's some rips like shout out to stepping stone who covered animals in like 2016 um because that song really goes but anyways concert wise uh i i saw nickelback because i think my dad was trying to you know connect with me because he is not a musical person mm. at all so he was like hey this like nickelback band's coming to town so it was that mts center i remember going in and signs that they were increasing the db like the decibel level yeah. and so like you know little me no earplugs or anything i'm like that's fine um oh, no. but i i remember it was oh, man this is so crazy uh state of shock oh, um opened. i remember those guys yeah they had that one song but yeah. um ironically like i don't know anything about like this is me like 11 years old like very very like don't know anything about the world or like tour packages or anything but after state of shock played 
um, they're like, and now yellow card. I was like, hey, I actually know who yellow card is. So like, Whoa. I only bring up that story because I got to see yellow card. Yeah. Um, in like arguably their prime. Um, and I, you know, at like a Nickelback show, um, which was just kind of funny to think about. So I feel like that was first concert. And I think there might have been seeds to that, that maybe, you know, Yellow Card being like a pop punk band to kind of push me in that direction mm -hmm. to play that. But I, I remember the very first show, and this is like a little bit more like hardcore cred points, but um, <laughs> I went to go see Means's last Winnipeg show at the church basement, which is, um, I don't think is around anymore, but it's in like Transcona, because I'm guessing the majority of your audience is like Winnipeg homies um but yeah my a friend from high school's brother's band was playing that and i was like yeah i want to go like i'm down to check that out so i think it was means um horizons in arms the fallen assault which was like a what um uh, morris like three-piece hardcore band um and then there's someone else um uh, but that's like literally like the venue is called the church basement. It literally is the basement of a church, mm -hmm. like super low ceiling. Um, and that was my first experience seeing people like pit and like climb over one another to grab a mic to sing like one line of a part. Um, and I remember vividly, like it was getting so crazy and we were just kind of standing off to the side that someone had like knocked into the PA system and it was falling and all like everyone goes to like, like you know hold it up and that really stuck with me as far as this like chaotic live um energy but you know people rallying together yeah. to like protect yeah. one another to make sure the show goes on um and, I think, and that's, I, I think that's what's lost in a lot of like when uh i don't want to call them outsiders but when outside people see hardcore punk shows and they think it's so violent it's so crazy which it kind of is sometimes but mm -hmm. everybody is there for the most part to have a good time. Someone falls down. There's like 50 hands reaching down to pick that person up. And especially more in hardcore dance or hardcore when the, when they're like, I always like to call them fighting invisible ninjas. Cause that's kind of what yeah. it looks like to me. Um, right. No one's out there to like punch someone in the face. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess depending if the band is uh, like a straight up beat down band, yeah. but um, <laughs> no, I, I do agree that like, um, you but, know, the ver variety of nicknames, but like normies when it comes to like not being, <laughs> you know, and like, I remember so many like handsome daughter shows where like someone would just stumble across this, you know, off the street and like, Hey, there's a show happening. Yeah. And like, I guess like, yeah, like nine times out of 10, like a normal, like, situation where you're just on the crawl and then you stumble into a venue and there's a bar gig yeah like you can do that but and you know with hardcore like there's and with most music genres there's not like a okay can you list me off like five you know 90s hardcore bands to you know gain admittance to the show yeah. you know it's just you know shit happen as far as you know someone thinking it's a personal thing but well and that's the know. thing too if you're if you're going in blind to a show like that you kind of want to i mean at least for me if i don't know what it's all about i'm gonna hang out on the on the edges and just kind of see what's going on 
and right. then maybe get closer just kind of like because i've definitely been to a few shows uh at the daughter and it's usually the disco needs to squeeze people and they bring in some <laughs> great bands but it can get like i've seen chairs thrown around garbage cans like it's it's got pretty gnarly a couple times which has been great and i've also yeah. been shooting it which i'm like don't don't fucking hit me because yeah you know you can hit me just do not hit my camera because then we right. might have a problem yeah yeah and that's like you know like being well versed in the i guess um filming and, and archiving live music mm. like there's always that risk right and yeah. you know like I, i've had my camera booped a couple times and I, I feel like nine times out of ten people are aware of where i'm standing and you know um but you know i, I posted a, a set and there's a and it was uh from wild rose last year and there's a moment where someone um i guess like uh cartwheels off the stage and the legs just catch me and i'm on i'm on this like tiny tight little corner um and in the footage my camera is just like you know one-handed and um someone grabs me by the back of the shirt and pulls me back onto the stage and uh i kept that in the video because you know whether you're taking photos or video i think what uh, people like you or I gravitate to hardcore for that content creation is because it is this like live, um, energetic, yes. um, style that doesn't really happen. Like, like metal, like the, the coolest picture I think you would get with metal is like a, a growl from the vocalist or like a crazy L'Oreal, like hair flip. Um, <laughs> yes. but, but with hardcore, there's like people that are stage diving and flipping yeah. and, you know, punk jumps and you know crowd pileups so like or even people something... like you said just trying to grab the microphone and scream into it the yeah that doesn't happen a lot at metal shows maybe a couple times but not not like it does at hardcore shows yeah there, there's just like something you know special about have seeing all your friends that are literally just you know um army crawling and just like going crazy uh, versus a you know a lineup of guys like doing synchronized like windmill hair flips yeah. to the the double bass of the drum. So yeah, that that's the thing that I think has really um, like kept like I think that's the the hook originally to get people ad attached to going to live hardcore shows and maybe the the music aspect. Um, I don't think it's the thing that has kept people because, you know, a lot of people have, you know, got to hardcore shows and then dropped off or maybe they don't, they don't go as often. Um, but I think the reason I'm still into it is because I feel part of a community. I mm -hmm. feel like I'm making a difference with how I'm giving back with the the content that I'm making and the documentation stuff. So. And you, you had mentioned that growing up, you, you went to a religious school or a Christian school. Oh. Hello? Hey, are we back? Yeah. Oh, yeah. My headphones just disconnected. Um, I uh, think, um, yeah, do you want to well, in or? I, I was going to say, um, growing up, you said you, you, were, you went to a Christian school growing up. Yes. And so was your family a very religious family? Yeah, so I, I think – yeah, I, like I grew up, uh, I went to church, I did youth group, I did all that kind of stuff. Um, like I think my family, and, and ironically, well, I, ironically isn't the word, but 
like Bryn's family, you know, has a Christian background as well. And I think for, for me, um, you know, my parents have never like really judged if I am, you know, not, not going to church, church as often as yeah. maybe I once was or things like that. Um, I think, you know, getting into hardcore, like I, there's obviously a lot of people that were like, you know, if you believe in God, fuck you. But like, there are a lot of, you know, people nowadays who are like spiritual and, yeah. you know, like practice, you know, certain aspects. So, well, and that, um, that, that's the kind of thing that interests me is like, did you getting into like hardcore or even in the metalcore before that, or just the louder music as you were getting into that, were, were your parents kind of like, did they ever take you aside and be like, what, what are you listening to? Like, is this like, <laughs> yeah, well, there is definitely, um, so one of the very first CDs I bought at HMV was a Gravemaker CD. Okay. And that was me trying to like, you know, kind of a, a staple Vancouver hardcore band, but that was me trying to like do that. Okay. Like I've seen lots of music videos, but like, I want to listen to this band off of just the album artwork. And it's, it's not even anything like, um, really like disastrous as far as being too uh negatively influencing a, mm. a kid it's a you know it, it looks like a uh, a dude with some uh coins for eyes and the album's called bury me at sea yeah and i brought that home and i think my grandma was over and she was like so concerned she was like is spencer okay and <laughs> and and i was like well grandma like read the lyrics they're talking about like self-reflection and things like that and yeah. you know like like my grandma like bless her heart i love her to death but she would be the same it was almost the same response as um me showing her golden eye on the n64 and her thinking her being concerned of me shooting people yeah. so you know i think traditionally like my family specifically was like very very conservative as far as you know being a you know going to, to church and like, you know, like abiding by certain things. Mm -hmm. But I think with natural, like, like, I feel like, um, I, I feel like the, the things that I guess I, I learned going to, to church and things are, are still applicable, um, in my life, but less of like, a am a religious person of more like these are my moral yeah like less anchor less like fire and brimstone kind of stuff and it's just like you know basically it all boils down to you just don't be a dick yeah and i and i think like there were certain things where it was like oh like that makes like like it makes sense from just like a, a worldly aspect of like why not to do this and and like i would argue at least right now like um I'm realizing that like a lot of the the things that I don't like about Christianity are, you know, these things that I saw with people in the church and, or just like for things like that, or just as far as like judgment and being like, I'm better at you because I believe in God. And, mm -hmm. you know, like, you know, shaking my head with all the, the videos of people trying to gather for churches during coronavirus. And they're like, the blood of Jesus will protect me. And then, you know, like, you know, pastors are dying because they're holding stuff. So yeah, I think, I think for me, like, I would say like, I, at the end of the day, I'm not going to believe myself to be better than anyone else. I think that we're all on our own like paths to kind of 
discovering truth and whatever that looks like for you. Um, but like the last thing I ever want to do is have any um, religious um, beliefs be the brick wall between, you know, positive and uplifting conversations that we can have. Yeah. Um, because I personally hate hearing like, you know, you know, uh, grant aunts or grandparents in laws who like, you know, talk about like, Oh, like oh, this man. and this about the gays. And I'm yep. just like, like, if you actually like sat down and just chatted with these people, like they're human. Yeah. They're like, no different they, than anybody else. Yeah. So it, I, I, I feel you. Yeah, Cause I mean, growing up in small town Saskatchewan, even, you know, getting the chance to go back there sometimes. Yeah. I've, I've had to tell people, I'm like, you know, that's not cool. Mm-hmm. What, what you just said, like, if, if, if that's your belief, you're wrong, especially when it comes to like any kind of racist or homophobic stuff. I, I will tell you you're wrong, but I'm it. I, I just sometimes I just have to bite my tongue because they, you, you, you're not going to be able to convince them. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough because like at, at the end of the day, like, you know, you know, and, and like, it's it's tough when you, you come from this like Christian background and it, you feel like it is this kind of barrier for people who maybe didn't have that because the word like Christian like is almost a trigger word for some people. Yeah. And so for me, it's like um, I would rather have those things come up naturally like like they are in this podcast and then we can like, you know, discuss it. And, yeah. you know, like. I am not going to be the one to think that like, you know, the church or things, because a lot of those things are man-made and like, you know, like every, everybody is flawed. Mm -hmm. So to kind of build something up as like this perfect thing is almost unattainable in a sense. So, so overall, like I just try to be nice and if it comes up, then I can be like, yeah, like this is what I believe, you know, like, like these are things that I don't like yeah. about Christianity, and then people would be like, "Oh, okay, so like you know, people can be Christians, but they don't have to like you know love every aspect about modern day Christianity." Mm-hmm. And I mean, then you get on all the weird different sects of Christianity, which we're not even going to go into because then we just it'll just turn into a yeah, whole it will podcast. be messy. <laughs> um, so, do you remember? So you you were going to shows. Um, as a fan, do you remember the first time you picked up a camera? Um, yeah. So, like, video for me was kind of weird on how I got um, into it. Like, if, if we're talking, like, very, like, early days camera stuff, like, um, I was really into this thing called Machinima because I, I played video games kind of before I got heavy into music. And Machinima is, like you make videos in the video games that you're playing. So oh, okay. obviously things like red versus blue, which is like uh, with halo or like rooster teeth or any of that, that was a pivotal thing for me. And so I got a capture card device. I literally was like finding people on Xbox live that I would like, you know, play doubles with or, you know, shoddy snipes. And I'd be like, Hey, I'm making this war movie. Can you be uh, a private and like change your appearance to this stand here and, uh, you know, have this line. And like, I'm sure like 
you know, there's just all these 13 or 14 year olds at the time that are like, uh, okay. Like, (laughs) (laughs) and so like, I guess like on a directing side, like that was, I just loved like making stuff and like storytelling. So, um, you know, like that was an early time for me. Um, I picked up a flip ultra HD, uh, which was like, uh, a super basic camera that had like a pop-out USB so you could plug it into your computer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was filming a lot of the uh, shows that I was playing, just like threw it up in the back of the room, not really for anyone else, just for myself to be like, um, you know, like, oh, how did this part go? I actually don't like this. It was almost a, a way for me to like, um, you know, revisit certain aspects of my songwriting and, and, and rethink them. And then I just got obsessed with just, like, the funny shit that would happen at the show. Yeah. Um, I remember, like, vividly um, one of my uh, melodic hardcore bands, Essentials, was playing Winkler. And uh, my bass player, Brent, uh, jokingly went to, like, give me a nudge. But I almost, like, fell off the stage and had to, like, recover in a weird way. And I remember seeing that. I'm like, I'm so happy that I had... The, the camera's rolling, so to speak, uh, so I can have that kind of forever. And that's, I think, you know, small moments like that really made me, like, think about just, like, documenting shows, like, kind of on a full-time basis, in a sense. And when did you start taking it a little more serious? Like, actually, <clears throat> excuse me, um, like, getting, and we're going to get into gear a little bit. I don't want to bore people with gear talk because <laughs> the only people that find that interesting are the people that do it. Um, right. But when did yeah, when did you start taking it a little more seriously, kind of starting to invest in a little bit higher end kind of things? Yeah, so I guess like um the very first show that I ever filmed was I'm see see if I can figure this out. Um October twenty fifth, twenty fifteen, I believe. Um so it was just a just a local show, nothing crazy. Um and again, like going back to what I was saying before, like I was already playing in a couple of bands, but I, I just loved hardcore so much and I wanted to give back to it. And obviously like anyone who archives shows, um, would be, you know, it'd be silly not to like shout out or like take influence from like Sonny, uh, who like, who runs hate five, six. So mm. watching a lot of his videos and just like loving the aspect that I could, be connected to shows and to festivals that he filmed and um, and getting to, to see them time and time again. So I guess I wanted to do that on a very small, very novice scale for at least Winnipeg because uh, at the time, like, we had a pretty, you know, like, I, I felt like I was on a, a good wave at the time of, like, you know, more good bands getting started. Yeah. Lots of people coming to shows. So there- I filmed that show. Um, it was, I, I played that show, but I had filmed, um, all the bands, including mine. Um, and then just like, you know, I posted just like one song of each band and like people really liked that. And then just like, I just got this like urge to do it, um, for, for all the shows that I was going to. And then, um, the following summer, I, uh, I was playing in a band called Usurper, excuse me, and we uh, were going out to Calgary to play this uh, festival, and I thought, hey, that would be a great, you know, kind of a, a next step for me to, to 
to film that. So I filmed all the bands um, and just like people were responding well to it. And again, just kind of discovered this passion for this very weird thing of like filming an entire set and then posting it online. So um, for the next year's festival, I wanted to kind of, you know, put a, put a name on it versus just like, you know, Spencer Priest, yeah. like YouTube channel or whatever. Yeah. So that's when um, I, you know, thought of scoped and I thought about like having, you know, other people involved to who, who could do second camera or shoot photos. Mm. And it's really like become a beast of its own. Um, I think the thing that I um, originally thought about scoped is like, okay, it's only going to be like filming bands and, and things like that. And, um, in, in Western Canada, because, you know, like a huge reason was for that was like, we, as you know, get skipped a lot of the time for tours and, yeah. and things like that. So I want, I, I wanted to kind of shift the idea that places like Winnipeg, Regina, Calgary, uh, Edmonton, uh, even Vancouver, um, you know, there, there is a scene in all those cities and, you know, maybe it's not you know, as big as places like New York, LA, or Florida, but, you know, there's people that love this music, there's people playing in great bands, and, uh, yeah, it's just kind of become, like, this, like, behemoth as far as, like, um, the opportunities and the things that we've been able to do in, in, in my opinion, a very short time, so, And, yeah, I mean, th there's not, I mean, there's a, a ton of photographers out there doing mm -hmm. a multitude of different kinds of shows, but there's not a ton that, especially videographers, that um, really focus in on kind of like the, the DIY hardcore scene at all. And I, yeah. think it's, I think you're doing a phenomenal job of especially like capturing what's happening in all those places that you mentioned and just mm -hmm. across kind of Western Canada because it, it's, it, it, it was sorely needed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and I appreciate that, Dwayne. And I was thinking about this, you know, when we were kind of leading up to the podcast, and I think you potentially had a little bit of a, a rub off on me because, like, to this day, like, I hate nothing more than people who will go to a show and take photos of, like, one band that they like or whatever mm -hmm. and not to the other bands. Because yep. I've been in that position as a band. I'm like, oh, so-and-so here is here with a camera. Um Hey, like, did you take photos of my band? They're like, oh, I, I'm, I, I just came for you know so and so, and then it's like, well, you know, you kind of feel slighted, and I'm sure there's a couple of photographers who'd be like, well, you should have asked us and you should have paid, but when you're playing a show, like, there are so many things that you're preparing for, and yeah, I give so many kudos to like people that have truly like gone out of their way to like go to shows and take photos of all the bands you know, throw up those photos for bands to use. And I remember, like, going to, you know, some early Winnipeg shows where I would see you at, like, every single show. And, you know, <laughs> like, it's a music thing. And yeah. I was like, huh, like, this is cool. This is cool that I can, you know, go back and and uh, and and see Dwayne's perspective yeah. on, you know, this Comeback kid set at the park or, or whatever it was. Yeah, and so, I, I try – and thank you for that, by the way, I because I do try really hard not to just show up for a band and then leave unless it's something – unless it's – like if, if I'm trying to hit up three shows in a night, then it's right. like 
if one band is paying me to be there, I'm of course going to be there for their set. But mm-hmm. if I've got to go to hit some other stuff, it's like, well, uh, sorry, I, 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 I gotta, right. I gotta go where I gotta go. Yeah. And like, you know, I, I am not perfect. I have missed a uh, plenty of, you know, first songs of a band and yeah. I'm rushing to the stage and, you know, like that happens, but I think the, the majority of it is just more the mindset of like, I'm going to be here. I'm going to be a community member. I'm going to give back because yeah. like, it's, it's crazy on the, the aspect of where things can go, especially like depending on, you know, if it's a band, like I'm sure there's a lot of photographers who maybe didn't take photos of like early knock loose shows. And now like they're, they're one of the hottest bands in, in hardcore metalcore right now. Yeah. So it's, I'm always thinking about that. Like how is a band or a member of a band that goes to start the craziest next band? Um, Cause the fact that I can have those, you know, those documents, you know, online documents, so to speak to, to reference um, in, you know, five, 10, 20 plus years is uh, I think that's super valuable. Mm-hmm. And I think, people and bands should think of that more when uh when they're planning stuff when you are getting ready to shoot a band actually i i had interviewed a photographer from edmonton um Mm -hmm. this is i guess it's kind of a two-part question uh first part being there there's a band you want to shoot you you're reaching out to them they're not reaching out to you uh Mm -hmm. what what is your process in doing that and the second part when you do when you are going to a show do you have like a kind of a, a routine you do before you go to a show, whether it be like laying gear out or just like listening to music and kind of getting yourself hyped. Uh, yeah, that's that. So first part is um, not, I feel like nine times out of 10, especially in Calgary. Um, if there's a show happening, um, whether I'm playing or not, like I'll be filming it. Like there's, there's been times even, even this year, like, um, shout out to a band called Iron Tusk. They're like a kind of like a stoner rock band from Six Sagan Nation. Yep. So they're like an all indigenous group. Um, they wanted me to come film a, a, a set in Edmonton. So I rode up with them and I got to the show and like it was, you know, this is not a hardcore show. It's like a part of this like kind of like winter music festival. And, you know, the first band is like getting ready. I think Iron Tusk was playing like third. And I was like, well, I have my camera here. I have no, like, friends here aside from the band I rode up with. So I might as well, like, just film it and just see what happens. And, like, the the bands that I filmed, you know, I've been in that situation plenty of times. And I'm okay with not liking the band while I'm filming them. Mm -hmm. Um, But I am constantly surprised that, like, I'll post something and then either like my general audience would be like yo this is like and like really cool to like find out about a band that's you know not hardcore but like i still like their music um or even just the band being like super grateful that i took time out of my day and then you know other days to like edit it um so like largely speaking like all um all usually only like ask if it's like a bigger event like a festival yeah especially for one that i have to travel for um you know like 
if I want to go shoot Snow and Flurry Fest in Minneapolis, like obviously I gotta, you know, hit them up, yeah. ask what their thoughts are on it. Um, you know, I'm thankful to those guys because they help me and some of the other guys get down there. Um, but largely speaking, like there's been times where there's a show in Edmonton and I just want to go up and film it. And I just get there and people are like, whoa, like, what are you doing here? I'm like, well, I'm here to film, like, yeah. you know? So, you know, and, and people are super grateful um, that I do stuff like that. So that's cool. Um, as far as like prep, uh, I've definitely had my fair share of shows where I haven't prepped as much as I have and I've paid for it. Um, but mostly it's like, you know, charging all my batteries, you know, you know, making sure my lenses are as clean as they can be. Um, a, a big thing, at least that I've learned the hard way is like every venue and every show is different. Yes. So there could be times where ideally I would throw my H4, which is what I use to record my audio in a certain place, but maybe that's not ideal at that show. So having options, if I want to mount it on top of my camera or like hang it on the back of like, you know, a emergency sign or something. Um, so as far as like having different little gizmos and attachments is something that I think is important. Um, but also having, um, you know, just, just being okay with adapting in that way. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I've been in the, the case where, you know, certain bands either don't want as many people on stage or, you know, things like that. So like, figuring out um, the way that you can still capture something in its entirety uh, without, you know, uh, upsetting anyone. The, yeah. the biggest thing that I've always said is I want to be a fly on the wall and just capture everything um, and, and tell those, you know, stories within that set. Um, I, I fucking hate anybody uh, who has a camera who feels <laughs> like they're entitled to yep. a spot um, you know, always, you know, it's the band stage and the, you know, the, the people that, you know, have their quick little jump on and, and flip off, but largely it's the bands. And if they're cool with me standing in the certain area, that's not obstructing them. And obviously I'm sure you've been to a number of shows where things are really, really tight. It's in a very high yeah. spot. Um, just, you know, just be as caught courteous as you can and, you know, not draw, try to draw attention to yourself especially us that are there covering it we're all there trying to i i've only had one run in with another photographer and i um I, oh, I forget what show it was but it was at the garrick mm -hmm. and this guy kept hail marrying the shot like i get right and it was already a super low lit scene so it was really hard to shoot it mm -hmm. and all of a sudden like this arm would be up and in every one of my shots. Right. And finally I just got pissed off about halfway through the set and he did it one more time and I just like worked my way up and I, he did it again. I pushed his camera down and I'm like, fuck off. Like <laughs> if you're doing it for a few, sure. That's great. I've done it too, but don't yeah. do it the whole goddamn set. Yeah. And then afterwards I was like thinking, I'm like, I'm just still pissed off. And then I was like, Oh, I really hope that wasn't a tour. Yeah, it was a tour photographer. Yeah, yeah. Which, and, and I and still I, didn't care. I'm like, still, don't be a dick. You'd be pissed off if I was doing that to you. Yeah, I think, like, there are certain 
cases where I've seen bands who go on tour with a photographer or even just like a, a content creator, as yeah. if you want to umbrella term it, but you know, they maybe have more like air quote at like access to like yeah. being behind the drums or things like that. Um, but yeah, I feel like, and which is I, fine. I, yeah. Yeah. I, but, I think, but don't try to linger there too much. Like, you know, especially for video, you don't need to be back there. You should have the right stuff to like set up a GoPro so that you can create, you can get the drummer's whole set and you don't actually physically need to be there. Yeah. Yeah. And this gets into a very interesting topic because um, I don't know how familiar with uh, uh, Regional Justice Center. Um, it's a band from California. Okay. And, um, Sound and Fury 2019, big hardcore festival. Um, Half Heart did their did a reunion set there and um they they pissed off some i guess like show photographers because um uh, ian who runs that band shared a photo uh of sound and fury and essentially there is you know 20 people with cameras like trying to capture this big pylon pick and you know I heard through so many people being like, I have to shoot this. I have to shoot this. If I, if I heard that so many times, at least with the half art stuff, like yeah, I, I'd be able to pay for a couple, like, you know, <laughs> double doubles, but yeah. Um, but it created, he, he tweeted something like hardcore 2019, like nodding to the fact of like, you know, Oh, people with cameras are privileged and things like that. And it stirred up a lot of like heated debates over Twitter. Um, but then, uh, someone who's a photographer in California, like actually kind of was like defending him. And I was reading his comments and he essentially was saying, if you go to a very small DIY show and there are people who are trying to attend that concert and there's 10 photographers who are like getting this super low angle shot and like being in the way yeah. that ruins the experience for everyone. Yep. And he has said, like, if a show is at program, which is like a very small like skate shop uh, in California, he's like, I won't shoot it because I know there's going to be at least four other people with cameras there. So it, you know, largely speaking, you know, if there's someone in like a small town in like, you know, Ontario or things like that, probably you're going to be there might be no photographers or there yeah. might just be one. Um, hotspot hardcore scenes like LA or New York or like things like that probably have, you know, like there's more people. So there's a, a higher likelihood that there's going to be, you know, people that want to shoot a show. So, you know, that got me thinking, it's like, okay, well this, this isn't a hardcore 2019 or a photographer problem. This is just a California problem as far mm -hmm. as like to like oversaturation in a certain creative field. Yeah. I mean, um, we, we, we are very lucky here. I, I, I can't speak for other cities, but here and getting having the opportunity to shoot at Bell NTS. Mm -hmm. I mean, the most people I've been in the pit with at a big show has been six. Yeah. And then you see, like, like you said, New York, L.A. I mean, they also have a ton more publications trying to get in. It's like it's packed. And you can't but, really and, move. But Bell MTS is like a giant venue where people can move around yes. and share angles and things like that. Um, when you're in a tiny like record store and there's six 
like fisheye lenses all yeah. essentially <laughs> capturing the same photo, yeah. um, it becomes problematic. And, yeah. I, and I think that the biggest thing, and, and I say this because I, I think it is interesting that, um, you know, if like I've, I've kind of said it out loud, like if someone came into the mix and was like filming Calgary shows or like just Western Canada, Canada in general, I would be stoked for them because, yeah. um, you know, then it kind of like puts it on like, not this, like, I wouldn't say it's a competition, but it's like, oh, well, I know I don't have to go to this show to capture it because, you know, Bobby Lou or whatever that person's Someone else name will be is. doing it. Yeah. And like, I might just go to the show to hang out. Like, that's been a big thing for me is like any, um, you know, hardcore festivals or travel shows that I've I've thought about is like, okay, well, I'm at a point in my life where I could probably only swing that if it's a scoped initiative. Yeah. Um, if I'm just going to like see friends, like, you know, like responsibilities and whatnot. But overall speaking, if um, like I'm going to a lot of these shows because I know no one's going to cover it on any, you know, photo or video level. Yeah. So I want to at least, you know, check the box, so to speak. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I feel like more people are interested in doing stuff like this. Um, I think it's more the challenge is on the consistency and the dedication side because I've seen people who quickly realize how much work uh, and, and sacrifice yes. people like you or I uh, spend to like, you know, put something together. Um, well, especially, and I, this isn't to, to slam single people, but if you've got a partner and you're going out three or four or five nights a week, it's that, a lot tougher. <laughs> it, 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 and then you're, especially you um, with video, because it's not just, I mean, I'm not saying editing photos is easy because it's got its own challenges, but sure. video, you've got to go through like every second and you probably already, I'm sure, I don't know, maybe you don't, but do you, do you have a sense of already what, you had captured and what how the sequence is going to go yeah so like you know a lot of people have opted for like oh like it'd be really cool if you know you you know did two angles for the show but not realizing if it's a single camera setup at a show what i film is like what the video is going to be so all yeah. i have to really do on the editing or the post-production side is slam some logos for the bands and for us and an outro maybe tweak some of the audio things color correct and we send it off to the render queue as soon as an extra camera is introduced mm -hmm. i have to spend that time cutting between those cameras you know finding you know no different than cutting a music video together um but obviously with less takes uh so to speak yeah but um and that was something like early days uh, as far as filming shows that I learned, again, kind of the hard way is like, oh, there's a lot of time that, is, that I'm sinking into this where it's a local band and a local show. Maybe it doesn't need this. Yeah. Um, so I kind of pick, I, I pick and choose where it's like, okay, like a bigger band is coming to town. This is a bigger venue. Um, it's going to be more like chaos. So it actually is going to, be beneficial to maybe have a second camera rolling uh, just to capture um, if 
you know, someone kicks me and like my camera goes down yeah. or something. Um, having backups is always good. Um, so, but if it's like a, a local, like rinky dink, like maybe one little touring band is coming through, like I'm going to single camera it because I can hold all the, the uh, quintess- quintessential pieces to like get that out as fast as possible. So is it a lot of the stuff you do then just kind of single camera, unless it's like a bigger thing or they're paying you more to bring in like two or three cameras? Yeah. Like I, I haven't really been approached by maybe any regional or local bands to like, Hey, can you have two cameras for this set? I think more of like, so, um, back in uh, September of 2019, uh, locked in, uh, which is my Winnipeg band was playing with Kublai like Khan and Orthodox. And those were like two bigger bands. I was like, yeah, I'd like to, you know, have like a sec, a second angle. Um, but for locked in and, and murder capital who also played like just local bands, I'm like, we'll just single camera this, like, yeah. you know, it's fine. Um, I think largely speaking, any multi-camera stuff, um, I'm, I'm setting as the default for things like a, a festival. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, obviously bigger spaces, bigger bands, um, you know, with the, the, the Wild Rose Fest, obviously like that's something that's close to me. Um, so I always want to like up the, the production every year. So like, um, you know, in 2019 would have been the latest, um, iteration, but like we did a two stage camera so you can kind of see the whole banner, the whole stage, um, kind of a wide shot of the, the whole band. Um, and, and we had a ton of great ideas, uh, for 2020, but obviously, <laughs> uh, everything is canceled. Yep. Um, but you know, like that's. I think that's a, a beautiful thing uh, on the creative side is like a lot of, you know, a, a lot of your famous or your favorite uh, show photographers or videographers like really learned like how to do what they do at a professional level um, through the local shows. And, you know, we might not be sitting down to do this podcast if, you know, I went to go film a show and they're like, you know what, Spencer, uh, we're, I'm, I'm going to ask politely for you not to film it for whatever reason. Yeah. Like that could have deterred me not to do it, but like enough people, um, took a chance on me to kind of like experiment and like, you know, figure out how to, how to do this thing. And yeah. now it's at a, a scalable, uh, uh, maturity. And so, so this is the part where everyone's going to tune out because unless, unless you're a gearhead, what, <laughs> what is your, what, what's your, your setup? What, what brand do you use? Do you have a favorite lens? I mean, I, that probably depends on what you're shooting, where you're shooting from, right. but yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll try to make it as like brief for <laughs> anyone who's like, oh, as I interesting don't. as possible. Yeah. And I think like, you know, I think it's interesting. Yeah. I think that there's all, obviously some people on the music side, they love talking about their pedals and some people that are just like, I'm a direct in like, yeah. no noise suppressor kind of guy. Um, but at least for like gear, like I, I shoot with a Panasonic GH4. That's like my main rig. Um, lens wise, uh, I actually have a, uh, it's a, <laughs> it's everyone's like super nerdy with lenses and I'm mm-hmm. like, what's the cheapest thing that I can replace in it case gets it gets kicked off my camera, yep. but it's still a good quality. So I, I use a Tamron. I'm just looking at it here. It's a 17 to 50. Uh, it's a 2.8 um, 
which essentially is like, uh, well, as you know, it's the aperture. But what's yeah. awesome is that because I have a micro thrust camera, it has a, a speed booster on it. So it gives me that extra stuff of light. Oh, okay. So I've been in some pretty like low light situations. Um, and I never want to really throw a, you know, a, like a source light or something on top of my camera. Cause that yeah. again, goes back to that. Like I'm distracting the band from playing. So, so I can get as open on, on my lens as like 1.8, which is, I think pretty good. Um, I'm, you know, once, you know, shows get back introduced, like there, there's improvements that I want to make, but like on the video side, like it, it does the job. Um, I love like Panasonic or Lumix cameras. Um, I have lots of friends who shoot shows who shoot Sony, but like Sony's are just notorious for just having terrible battery life. Mm -hmm. And I love being able to go to a show with a fully charged battery and leave that four band show with only one tick gone. So, um, so on the video side, that's kind of what I use. And then, uh, for the audio, um, I usually, so I, I said earlier, I, I have an H4, but I, I misspoke. I have an H6 now. Um, so I usually throw that up in the back of the room. That's kind of like my room mic, but I'll also have like a shotgun mic on, on my camera. And that will be to capture, um, more so like the side banter for bands being like, yo, that's my water bottle or like, you yeah. know, telling someone to like fuck off because they're like heckling them from the, from the side. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if the mic's in the back of the room and you're only capturing those things, those things might be just too quiet or, you know, so I, I kind of on a very just Spencer setup, that's what I use. Um, but you know, once I have other people who are, you know, shooting, they have their own rigs and we try to match it up as, as best we can. For audio, do you ever plug straight into the board? Yeah, so like, again, going back to like scoped, kind of being a, a multi-team, you know, because I largely like started this and it was it's kind of my baby. But, you know, we've brought in other people with other skill sets to kind of, you know, make certain aspects of what we do like shine yep. brighter. So, um, you know, we have people... Uh, who do photos. We have people who do um, audio stuff. Um, so there has been times where like I've plugged into the board or uh, Liam, who's our audio guy, he'll do a multi-track recording. He'll mix it like, you know, and give, and again, that goes back to like, okay, let's, we're not going to do that for like a local small show, but yeah. like for this festival, like, you know, let's put a little bit more, emphasis on uh on those videos so yeah you're gonna want the best quality possible yeah and like, and again like a lot of those um a lot of those things are just like learning uh trial by fire in a way like i remember the very first time i had plugged into the board um i was still living in winnipeg at the time and uh i plugged in at the park theater and i guess like i didn't have a um external power supply oh, so like i went yeah. back after the first band and yep. like the entire battery was drained i'm like what's happening i don't understand yeah because uh, i use a h4n zoom for yep. like for this podcast and for like interviews in person and that kind of thing and i yeah i very quickly learned that you you even with brand new batteries it <laughs> it is notoriously bad for like it'll go down to like 
a quarter of a battery left. And I don't know if that's just a flaw in the the thing, but when I see it get down that low, I'm like, uh, okay, yeah, I got to hurry up and finish this interview because I don't want it to die on me. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, so I actually, I did buy a power supply for my H4 cause I have both an H6 and an H4 and I actually use the H4 for, uh, we, we do drum cams for like, okay. uh, bigger shows. So the, the drum cam setup is essentially a GoPro and a tripod and then a, the H4 clamped to that tripod. Um, so that is, it's all kind of like run through like a, you know, a power supply or something. Um, the H6 battery is a little bit better. Um, but again, like, you know, it's depending on how hot you're running it, like yeah. you have four XLRs going into the H6, like, yeah, that's a, that's a lot of juice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I thankfully been lucky enough. I haven't played around too much with the, uh, like room audio, although video is something I want to get more into because I really enjoy it. But my, mm -hmm. my, the hardest part of me is always like, okay, I'm doing video. That's great. It's, it, it's, you know, something different, but what, what if I miss that shot in like, I want that photo. Right. And for me, that's the hard trade off is, I mean, yes, I've got the video, but mm -hmm. I mean, my, my first love is photography. So it's, it, it, it it's a tough thing. Yeah. Uh, you might like this. I, I have a, I have a friend down in Minneapolis who, uh, he'll shoot live sets for bands and he's got like, uh, he's got like a red, like 4k crazy camera mm. and, um, and he does it all freelance. So like, he's like, dude, you should start charging for your sets. I'm like, no, that's not the reason why I'm doing this. But, um, you know, he'll, he'll go out and film a band and then he'll ask, Hey, if you want photos after just let me know and his camera is recording in such a good uh, like video quality that he's literally just grabbing like stills from the video yeah and then giving them to the band um so like i don't think that scoped is ever going to get to this like crazy like red you know 4k dragon like crazy yeah. quality um because again like i bring that to a show and then all it takes is someone doing their you know, spin kick and then it's over. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, but yeah, I don't know if, uh, that, that just made me think of that as soon yeah. as you were saying, like, I want to do both. It's like, well, there, there is a Th way. There is a way. There's just a very expensive way to do both. Yeah. Um, and, of, at, and recently as well as doing, and also, I don't know if you thought of this yourself or you'd seen someone else, uh, say this, but I thoroughly enjoy the fact that you don't, really call yourself a videographer you're an archivist and i yeah. really enjoy that I, I every time i see it and one of your videos pop up or something i see that and i'm like that's exactly what we're fucking doing like uh -huh. yes we are videographers yes i do photos but really we are archiving what's around us whether it be um shows whether it be just walking down the street that's that's really what we're doing yeah, and like I've become like it's almost a weird thing with like my dad being like in a very like um corporate, you know, high level position. He's like, I love I love the stats on on these business aspects and like oh my gosh, like no one cares about <laughs> the stats. But like 
having that much information, so to speak, and then you're able to pull things is is a crazy tool. Um, I've I've always thought eventually like my all the videos I do is almost in like you know you're the hooded librarian and you're pulling you know um, tapes and you know documents from yeah. like a uh, crazy file. But I guess like a thing that has really like kept me going aside from like someone being like yo thanks for filming this crazy uh, stage flip that I did <laughs> is um, a lot of people that again like film bands like some I've seen live sets where the the song will end and then it's like a, a fade into the next song and I'm like well what happened in between those songs like did the singer say something did the yeah. you know did um you know there was something acknowledged and something that I loved about you know Sonny's work is that he filmed everything from like front to back yeah. and a lot of the 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 things that were said whether about like hey this next song is about this and this is why i wrote it or like this song is dedicated to this person who passed away um or whatever it is like those heartfelt like from authentic things can't be like replicated they're yeah. very authentic so you know like i could honestly like sit here for another half an hour just talking about this topic but like you know there's been people that I've gone to shows with before I was filming that um, that died and aren't around anymore. Mm. And like, I wish that I had filmed sooner so I could have like footage of them. Um, big person in Calgary hardcore who passed away, um, Evan Shaw. Like, I kind of moved to Calgary right uh, when he was diagnosed again with brain cancer, and I documented all the essentially last shows that he was putting on and, you know, looking back at those shows and seeing him in the background, just like watching his friends play is, a, uh, it's, a, uh, it's crazy, honestly. Yeah. And I, I'm just happy that, you know, the, our paths crossed when they did. And, you know, there's, there's so many of those. And, and I, I, again, continue to think like that alone is like a huge reason why I want to just keep, keep on with this because it means so much to people like i've heard stories of people who like just even take photos of bands and then someone in their uh someone in a family passes away and then mm -hmm. they get hit up like hey like um i was told that you might have some photos of my daughter or my son just like singing and then like okay like let me find all the shows and you know yeah like, here you go and i find like so many people like just think of like oh i wish that i did this on the on the when they're on the other side of that yeah so i'm always like you know i'm never really like whether someone likes me filming every single local show or whatever it is even if they have like a a personal reservation i'm going to keep on doing what i do because i know eventually that information that I that I'm capturing is going to be useful to them in some way in the future, um, and I'm not going to just rub it in their nose like "Ha, I was right." I'm going to be like, "Hey, like, like here you go." Like, being a resource to people is like, um, it's huge. So, yeah, that's that's a huge reason why I'm like kind of continuing on with the flag because, as you know, like um, doing any level of you know archiving is is taxing especially yes. when you have 
a family and responsibilities like I'm petting my dog right now and you know he's you know laid down plenty of times while I've been editing stuff into the into the night and yeah. uh you know so it's a uh, it's a very weirdly self-imposed uh decision to be this like um librarian of like you know your scene or your genre in mm-hmm. your area but um you know like I think what we're creating is like a timeless and very valuable thing. And, you know, that's, that's, that's what keeps me going at least. Yeah. Cause you, you see older, cause I, I'm not born and raised here in Winnipeg, but I see older guys like uh, Doug Humansky, 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 I don't know how to say his last name. You see his <laughs> photos and it's like Chai Pig from SNFU from 1984 playing some shitty little show in Winnipeg. And I'm like, Oh, I wish I took that photo. And right. so, but then I've got photos, you know, because as you get older, you, uh, you kind of start cutting back the shows you, you go to a little bit because other obligations, you're just tired. You, you know, you, you just maybe don't want to go out that night, which I've been very good at battling hard because um, it's like I, I want to be at all the shows. But mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's one of those things. It's, I'll go back through a bunch of my archives and be just be I'll just smile remembering that show or that that, you know, stage dive or something. Right. Yeah. And I think like um, I I know I said earlier, like it it irks me when people are at a show and they only take photos of a certain band. Like Mm -hmm. I get it. Like not everybody is trying to be out here and like trying to be the next like Angela Owens or any crazy you know, famous, you know, touring photographer that maybe they're just like, yeah, this is my friend's band and I just want to like take some film photos or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, for me, like the, I, I feel guilty not filming <laughs> like every single band and yeah. that's just, that's how I feel. And I think my ambitions now with what I'm doing are just like, they are like very, very high. Like I want to like do scope for like, you know, I've I've kind of done this for like the large part of my 20s and, uh, you know, I have ambitions even past that. So um, overall, like, you know, if my ambitions are that it should, you know, be matched by what I'm doing in the just the day to day, you know, even with no shows in the mix right now, I wasn't like, oh, like, boo hoo, like I'm going to not post, you know, anything. It's like. Yeah. I've fully shifted into like, okay, like full-time podcasting, yep. doing the playlist. Um, and I have a bunch of other ideas as well, but you know, like I thinking like I'm, I'm a huge believer in like your action should match what's coming out of your mouth. And if it's not, then like, you know, stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> and so you had mentioned, and I was going to touch on this. You've recently, I'm not sure how recently, but you've started your own podcast as well, the Scope to Show Exposure podcast. Was yeah. that just out of kind of, there's no shows, there's nothing happening, let's let's kind of start doing something a little different? Uh, well, in like, I guess the frequency has definitely con- uh, been increased huh. since like COVID came into the mix. I but, hear that. Um, I've wanted... I've wanted to do podcasts for a while. Uh, I am like, uh, I consume podcasts on the regular. Um, 
And so we actually started kind of like experimenting and doing like some pilot episodes uh, in May of 2019. And then um, I think it was uh, like we we kind of snowballed because it wasn't something that I could kind of give my full attention because like we were shooting so much shit last year. Um, but, um, you know, we launched the podcast in November of uh of 2019 um so we had some episodes recorded from the summer you know some bands and and people that were coming through for wild rose so we kind of like launched that and then we you know changed where we were doing it location wise and now that you know quarantine's kind of in the mix i've kind of transitioned where i'm doing everything over zoom now yep so i i had a little bit of a fear of like quality control as far as like audio but honestly like um the the fact that i can reach like the fact that we can even just have a conversation yeah you know being provinces apart is is huge so you know we've i've been able to interview some like um pretty influential people at least for me um you know i just posted a podcast with um max moore who he's like a cinematographer he did he did all the recent like code orange music videos oh, okay um, you know, hitting up, you know, just bands like I interviewed Co- Cody from Drain. They're like a newer, like thrash hardcore kind of band, and okay. you know, talked about that album. So I think once we go back to a a new normal, like I'll still do somewhat of a level of that, but you know, there there always is going to be that extra sauce that you can have if you're in the same room as someone. So. Yeah. If if I can get someone on on a local level, I'll probably opt for that. But if I want to, uh, if I see a band that I believe in and I want to, you know, help promote them for an upcoming release or whatever, I'll probably still do an aspect of Zoom. Um, but as far as like the podcast, like we do a video format, so it's on YouTube, but we also do Spotify, Apple, mm-hmm. all the all the platforms, all the stuff. Yeah, yeah. I've I, I've toyed around with doing. Um like do, doing the video part of it, but it, it just, I, I, I prefer to talk to someone in person because then you can, yeah. it, it just feels more natural and better. But I realize, especially now that's not going to happen as much as I'd like it to for a while. Um, and for a lot of touring bands, it just won't happen because you're going to have to, you, you want to help them promote whatever show's coming up and mm-hmm. in which you got to do that in advance. You can't do it at, the, the venue because then the show is already happening yeah and it, and i think like <clears throat> uh, like i've i've struggled with that too and i think i've come to the conclusion of like just pick your battles yeah. like it is it worth it for you to interview this person um or are you willing to wait to kind of get it to a point where it can be in person or like you know the format could be different yeah um something that i've largely believed in is like anything on a quality side um, of removing my own bias to that and just letting my audience tell me what sucks and what doesn't suck. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then adjusting from there. So, you know, like I I've talked with people like, and I've got no DMS with being like, Oh, can you not do any zoom calls? Yeah. Um, like, and, and, you know, not being so um, like butthurt when like, uh, you know, someone says maybe something negative um, because I've heard it from both ends where like, 
scoped posts too much. And then at the same time, like, honestly, I'm so bored in quarantine. I would like consume a podcast if you're posting every single day. So like, I think, you know, I'm staying in my lane and I'm kind of just doing our thing and I'm, you know, testing things, seeing what people are responding to. And then, you know, it's, it's, it's honestly weird. Cause like that Max Moore episode for me, I'm like, this is big. Like, this is someone that I look up to, you know, he's got a pretty decent following. Um, but like numbers wise, uh, people didn't like, you know, listen to it as much. And I think it might be this weird thing and it might be the same here. Like, um, Oh, Spencer's not in a, a band. Like I'm probably not going to listen to this. And I'm like, well, I'm actually in two bands, but yeah. Um, <laughs> well, also know. that being said, I, I make it, um, very known that I am always very interested in talking to not just bands because bands are interesting in their own right. And I appreciate everything they do, mm-hmm. but the behind the scenes people are, I'm one of them. And so people that are doing tour managing production, um, any, anything it's, it's not, I don't want to say more interesting than talking to a band member, but those guys, those people see a lot more of what's going on than a band does. Like when shit yeah. hits the fan, the band doesn't know what's going on. They just know that something's not working. And mm-hmm. then you have a whole team behind the scenes, like trying to make, I don't know, like monitors work or like amps or something like that. Or there's a fight and they're breaking it up or something like that. So, I mean, it, they're just as important. Yeah. The, the, it's a music thing podcast is, is basically just anybody and everybody that is involved in music. Like I talked to a gentleman, uh, an old friend of mine from Regina lives in Edmonton now, um, was, uh, the buyer for the, uh, the big, the big stadium there. I don't know what it's called, but yeah, he was, he was the talent buyer. And I mean, he started doing small crappy little shows in, in Regina. He booked green day in 93 in a 300 cap room. Like, Whoa, that's he's got, cool. He's got so many great stories. Some of them we talked about afterwards that he couldn't really say. Yeah. It's because he's still working in the industry. And then I talked to uh, his name's Chris Burkett. I don't know if you know who he is or not, but he's a he's a producer, engineer, singer, songwriter in his own right. But has worked with like he's worked with Sinead O'Connor. He's -hmm. worked with Buffy St. Marie. He's like. The stories he had, and he was so nice and so, like, welcoming and answered all the questions that I had about probably things he's answered before. But just, yeah, his his stories of, you know, jamming with Zeppelin was like, <laughs> holy, what? Wait, wait, back back that up. You you did what? Like, that's pretty right. cool. Yeah, like, like, it's no different than, like, I would, you know, these aren't necessarily podcasts, but, like, I've heard, you know, people that want to interview, like, you know, the guy who voiced Master Chief, but then mm. also listening to an interview with like Marty O'Donnell, who did like the soundtrack for Halo, because they're both going to talk about different aspects and different things um, that that they were involved in. So, you know, when it comes to music, obviously, you know, hearing about a band that you like, like the drummer or the vocalist because of the lyrics or whatever, but getting to hear like who mixed that record or who like, you know, made that band known through their photos or videos or like, you know, who did the artwork for this legendary like album? Like, 
I feel like that all matters. And, yes. You know, having variety for your show and for, for my show, like that's important. Um, cause like, like the Max Moore interview, I felt like there's so many good nuggets if you're like into music videos and yeah. into like figuring out editing styles. Um, but you know, like, again, it's like figuring out what people like and not like pigeon, pigeonholing that. And yeah. And doing what you like too. Yeah. Like you don't want to yeah. do a bunch of crap that, you know, if it's like everybody wants to see this, but you're not really that into it. It's like, how stoked can you be for that? Cause it's like, that's cool. Right. And you, you, you like me will probably do it, but you'd much rather focus and put more of a spotlight on those people that you want to shine a spotlight on not some huge band from wherever away yeah i like i heard once like doing a one for me one for you um so it's like you know this podcast is like it's for me it's for me like 10 years ago when i was like first watching like max moore's music videos and being like oh these are so sick and it's for me like you know, in the future being like, yeah, I'm really happy I did that. Yeah. And then like next, next week, um, cause I'm sure this will be out by then. Uh, I'm putting out a podcast with my friend, Jake Thomas or Jack Thomas. Sorry. Um, he's the infamous Vancouver one, ar- one armed drummer. Oh, so okay. I know like lots of my friends like know him and know his story. Um, and he's kind of like crazy. Like he'll do these drum covers with like, he's got, um, he's got one arm and he's like, jamming to like run out and like drain and all these like really fast bands so you know it again it's like doing one for me and then i'll i'll give you one next week and i don't feel like anything like i've never felt like and and i think some people have this fear of like oh if i post this it's not in my usual repertoire of content so people are gonna like drop off it's like no like i've i posted a long box on instagram and it like freaked everybody out because it was like just this infinite scroll, and like a couple of people unfollowed me. But like I was happy I did that because it was like, oh, this is a cool content thing that I just want to do for myself. Yeah. And then the next day I posted like you know a pic of me with a guitar. It's like okay, here's here's the one for you to kind of like <laughs> regain from that that loss. But yeah. yeah. Uh, well, Spencer, I want I feel like we could talk for another two or three hours, but you know. <laughs> I don't. I don't I, I've never listened to a podcast for three hours with without falling yeah. asleep. I have, but yeah. it was on a train or a plane, and I completely zoned out and fell asleep. Um, yeah, but I, I want, feel like Joe Rogan is the one that gets the pass on on those lengths. Yeah, I mean, even I, man, I had subscribed to him a while back, and I just it, he had too many people that I wasn't that interesting interested in hearing from. So it was just like delete, delete, delete. And it's like one out of 10 seemed interesting to me. Um, yeah. Maybe I need to go back and try it again because I've like seen some little clips and it's been great. But yeah, it's I, I just and I mean, he's got his whole the whole audio video, everything down to a right. beautiful science. Yeah. And if I if I could maybe say like maybe one thing before we kind of like wrap up is like, you know, I'm always thinking about like how can I share advice off of what I've done to like help people who are, you know, even on a small scale of trying to figure out how to make their band bigger, how to make their whatever thing bigger. And I think the biggest thing is like creating like uh, a brand around you is big because 
I'm thinking about this too, where, you know, largely a lot of the scope podcasts that I've done is like interview based X band. It's like the audience of that band is coming on to the show and there might be some spillover after that. Um, I'm thinking when this whole thing is done, I'm probably going to increase the amount of just like me and some of the other scope guys just shooting the shit because yep. we did that as like a year in review thing of like, we're just going to watch some sets. Like it's not like people are just coming for us. And like, I think that's a, a big thing of like, you know, interviewing people that you matter or that matter to you and you want to give them a little bit of a bump, but you know, like sharing your insights and your expertise and like being authentic with people. Like that's how people grow these giant social media followings in mm. general. Um, and uh, so, yeah, just like, I think more people just should just talk about what they like and not give a fuck about, you know, whether it's cool or not. Yep. Um, and, or thinking like, well, I've only talked about this or posted this kind of content. Like, I'm super stoked that like Instagram doesn't have like visible likes anymore. Like mm. I can just post whatever orange stuff that I want yeah. on my personal account. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't have to get all like, Oh, this only got 20 likes. It's like post it for yourself yep. and then, you know, whatever. So yeah. And where can people find uh, information about scoped exposure? Uh, so scoped is uh we're on a lot of different things. So main main thing, if you want to you know dive into some live sets, is going on our YouTube channel. So just uh, YouTube.com scoped exposure. Um, it'd be hard not to find us there. <laughs> um, we're on uh, Spotify for our uh, podcast and uh, Apple and YouTube again. Scoped exposure podcast doesn't have a fancy name, just our name with podcast. Uh, we also have a Spotify playlist that we update every week. Uh, so we update those on Monday. Uh, largely feature bands that we filmed. Um, you know, you hear a song that you like, you don't know the band, we have a set of it. Uh, so that's on Spotify. It's called the Listen Up playlist. Um, so you can check that out. Um, and yeah, go check out all the people um, who are on the team. Obviously, there's me, Spicy Spence underscore on Instagram. There's Cole, Faith Eater. Uh, with an underscore, uh, Alien Matt uh, with a, a four instead of the A, Jordan, uh, I Lamb Chops, and uh, Liam. Uh, I think it's just Liam something. But uh, <laughs> like a big thing that I always do is like, you know, tying photos and, and credit and giving that to where it's due. Yeah. So, you know, if you go on our account and you see something that you like, whether it's a video or a photo, it, 99% of the time we'll have a tag. Of, yeah. yeah. And I think it's super important to support those people because yep. um, the, the DMS and the, you know, the messages of like, Hey, I just want to say that I appreciate what you're doing. Um, that goes a long way. And, yep. you know, if you subscribe on YouTube, that goes a long way. Um, you know, whatever you want to do, uh, to support your local archivist, I am for it. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you, Spencer. And, um, yeah, hopefully when this is all done, we'll we'll get a chance to, uh, to, to see each other face-to-face. -face. Absolutely, man. Thank you so much for having me on your show. 
Well, there you go. There is my conversation with Spencer from Scoped Exposure, and he's the guitar player in Endgame. Like I said, super busy guy. Love the stuff that he's doing, especially since hardcore isn't quite quite my niche, isn't quite my thing. So it, it's great to learn more about that. And his podcast is amazing. His his videos, I love them. They're so good, and it's 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 just awesome to 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 learn about a new a new genre. Basically, even though I do like hardcore, some hardcore, uh, it it never hurts to to learn more new bands so big thank you to spencer for taking the time to to talk to me uh definitely go check out the the latest offering they have up with uh murder capital that was filmed here in winnipeg at the park theater uh who knows when we're gonna see live music again it's especially here in winnipeg it's getting it's getting stupid it's ugh, i'm uh, I just want this to be over and done and music happening and seeing folks again, but whatever. So we are are going to, like I always do, I always like to play some music and today is no different. Uh, I've got three songs. I asked uh, Spencer to kind of give me his favorite three songs from his band Endgame. And first up, we are going to play Above the Law. And then next up is Fool's Play, and we'll round it all off with no mention. So again, big, big thank you to Spencer for taking the time to talk to me. I hope everybody's enjoying these as much as I enjoy doing them. And we've got some more new stuff coming up next week for you, and I hope everyone stays safe. Connor, do you know the difference between a cop and a criminal? Justice, there is a shroud. 